Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hey folks, welcome once again, and ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, color schemes, and polygons. Tonight, the internet wrestling community proudly brings to you its most bizarre, yet dominant, podcasting tag team of the world, Mark the Smart Mark, Ace Alexander, we are the false finishers, and this is the false finish, and folks, if you are a newcomer to the false finish, first off, let me say thank you for showing up, tuning in, whatever you want to call it. For those of our old hands who are coming back for another weekly helping of whatever the hell it is we call this, welcome back, and we're glad you've been sticking with us. Well, for those of you who are new, let me give you a little bit of a rundown of exactly who we are and what we do. Between me and Ace, we got about 50 years Combined total experience in the business as both being fans and actually having been involved in the industry. Uh, we are a pair of guys who enjoy professional wrestling. We are a pair of guys who watch Monday Night Raw pretty much every week, barring some kind of a family trip or even sometimes then. We watch pay-per-views. We watch SmackDown every so often, Ring of Honor, that kind of stuff. We primarily focus on the WWE since that is the biggest part of the mainstream product for professional wrestling. And uh, you can reach us on a couple of different ways. We do have a Twitter page where you can reach us at the False Finish. In fact, I just found out earlier today from our uh, guys upstairs that we got ourselves like 92 followers. And for those of you again who are new, welcome to the club. For those of you who have been here for a while and from the, those who have been here from day one, glad to have you still with us. We can also be reached at the False Finish Podcast at gmail.com. We got a website, thefalsefinishpodcast.com. We've also got a Facebook fan page. And uh, we are working at some point. We're, gonna, we're still waiting to hear back from the guys at IT about whether or not we're going to get this thing with YouTube done. We've also got uh, a place on iTunes. So if you have iTunes or for whatever reason you just surf around through there, we can be found on there. Give us a quick hit up on there for like the past episodes, including our first interview with Drake Evans, guy from uh, In Your Face Wrestling. We can uh, also be found pretty much on our own website, thefalsefinishpodcast.com. We can also get episodes. And again, if you're on iTunes and you, and you get most of your stuff from there, give us a five-star rating. It'll get us a lot more visibility, and it'll make sure that a lot more people know about the fact that we are out here. And that pretty much is my little spiel for introducing us. Of course, I'm Mark the Smart Mark, my partner Ace Alexander, and uh, Ace, this was a rather interesting, um, I don't even know if interesting is the right word, this was just kind of almost a meh kind of moment, I will admit, the end of Raw, I was kind of happy with, just because, well, you know my feelings about Brock Lesnar. I thought you'd say that, Mark, I I actually was going to start the Raw recap, the the right after wrestling uh, recap there. 
regarding that with that specific moment, you know, with the way it ended as they were going off the TV with Brock Lesnar getting the beatdown from the reunited and what looks to be re-solidified uh, authority standing behind their champion, Seth Rollins, which, you know, yep, you didn't yep. expect And again, to see. I'm not even a fan of Seth Rollins, but I'll take him over Brock any day. And, and I thought you, I, I thought you'd feel that way, especially considering the uh, the disdain that you've you've spoken very, ad, you know, you know, very uh, adamantly out, about, yeah, yeah, adamantly, adamantly <laughs> about um, in regards to him since uh, the start of the podcast, going all the way back to before WrestleMania. Yeah, and, and for those of you wondering, folks, yes, I was born with a thesaurus in my mouth. Thank you. <laughs> so. Uh, you know, as as uh, you know, that was the highlight of the night for me. Nothing else, honestly, really stood out to me, with the exception of a couple I, things. I did like I, the promo with Cena and Owens, but that was, was really the that. only other major thing. Yep, I agree. The Cena pro, the Cena, um, the Cena Owens promo there was really, you know, it was interesting. It continued to reignite that fire and keep that fire burning pretty hot for the uh, the preparation for the next match. I really, I really think they're going the right direction. I'm hoping they get the U.S. title off of Cena. He's had it since what Mania now, and I think oh, now's poor the, baby. I think yeah, the time's now to move away from. This is the last belt I think he's ever going to have. So let's let him have no. it for a couple of months. Yeah, it's been more than never getting anywhere near the world title again. They'll never let anybody match or beat Ric Flair's record while he's still alive. I think they will, and I think Cena's the guy to do it because he's a WWE guy through and through. He's grown there, he's built there, and he's been there. So. I think they will. Uh, I don't know, dude. I mean, when you consider the fact that they had a chance to let him have a nice long run and they didn't, I, I really don't think at this point they've got anything else they really need to do with Cena on the main event level. That's why they're keeping him on the upper mid, the upper mid card. So that's why I think that's where they got him where they are now because they don't really have anything else they can do with him on the main event. And I, again, I've been saying this for a while. I mean, the man's in his like what late thirties, early forties. They got to get ready to start you know, letting him bow out, but I think they want to have him go out with one last major run, and I think that's what they're doing with the U.S. belt. So I'd like to see them do that, if that's where they are going with this. He's about 38, but I think yeah, he's got so like I said, time. Yeah, so mid to late 30s, early 40s. Yeah, I think he's got plenty of time left, though. <laughs> we'll have to see. Yeah. He stayed healthy for a long time, a lot longer than most people have, so... Maybe that'll actually give him a pretty extended career. Who knows? It, it, it could. But uh, outside of those two things, one of the things that stood out to me, if I recall, um, you know, it's just one of the things that I feel good. Here's, here's, here's my downer of the night, and this is something I'm going to talk about. Um, the Neville-Kofi match was good, but then the downer of the night is King Bad News, or the King of Bad News, Bad Barrett, or Bad News Barrett, and uh, he's wrestling Zack Ryder, you know, a guy that just won the... Uh, the king of the ring, and had he, he'd come off hot, you know, for so long with the promos he was cutting with the podium, and he came out, they gave him the Intercontinental title, he had a couple up-and-down reigns there, they took the title right off him, gave it to Daniel Bryan, um, after having, you know, everybody steal it and hold on to it, um, they really didn't... Which is one of the funniest gimmicks of the year, I don't care what anybody oh, says. Oh, yes, without a doubt, that was amusing, and I, I, I give that... Yeah, ladies you know, and gentlemen, that. Intercontinental Potato! <laughs> yeah, but I would I would throw that the main thing that got that entire thing over was our uh, truth and the way his which is who he's fighting so now and I really I really like that they're actually following up with the idea that because they they, they kind of went with the idea of him going insane a couple of years back and then he just kind of faded out now he's in a feud with the King of the Ring I like it I mean it, it at least gives the both something to do when it, it tries to make truth somewhat relevant again because we already know Barrett's are he's legitimized from his. 
return, having been Intercontinental Champion and now, you know, the King of the Ring. So they had to do yeah, something I, with, with, with killing, so. Yeah, but I think that the problem for bad news is he's sitting around the bottom again, and he's not really, he's kind of stale right now, and I don't think he's over than the way he was six months ago. His win against Zack Ryder, I honestly thought he could lose that match, and that's not a good thing when I can actually think you might Dude, lose. Dude, if you Ryder. honestly, if you honestly thought Zack Ryder was gonna win that match, I gotta ask you what the hell you're token on, bro? Because dude, there was no way in hell Zack Ryder. Dude, I even said this the minute that match, before I before I actually realized who who he was actually fighting. Like, dude, it's Zack Ryder. I haven't seen him on TV in about two months, and he hasn't won a match in six years. I had the match okay. against Cena. Couple weeks ago, he didn't win. He didn't win the match with Cena. He had that match with Cena. Yeah, that's literally the, that's literally the only other match he's had in about two months, and he hasn't had a win in six years. He's yeah, Barry Horowitz 2.0, dude. He's extremely popular, but he's Barry Horowitz 2.0. <laughs> no, I, I I agree with you on that. And I mean, I just at, at one moment there, I feel like Bad News Barrett's lost a lot of his 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 fire right now, and I just don't know what they're doing with him. But that brings me to uh, another key part that I thought was pretty good was um, actually the combination of the Bray Wyatt Roman Reigns feud, and then even the Ryback Big Show uh, Miz feud is something that interests me right now, and I don't know what it is, but I've always been a hater of Ryback and a hater of Roman Reigns. But I don't know if it's yeah. Anybody who's actually watched, not watched, listen to this show knows that the one match I, I actually enjoyed the most was probably the first real match on the card, and that was Kane Dean Ambrose. That was, dude. I've been saying this how many times now? The man's a goddamn tank. They need to put the world title on him ASAP. Yeah, I mean, I told you that that's where the feud was going between the two of those guys. And that's where we're going to see it go, is those guys, he's going to bring out the devil in them, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But I, I I like the Roy Ryback and Roman Reigns stuff, and I'm trying to get behind those guys. I'm, I'm trying to give Ryback a chance to be the Intercontinental Champion. As much as I hate him on the microphone, and I feel like he's reading <laughs> word for word off of note cards in front of him somewhere. Maybe he is, just, but he's delivering a lot better than, uh, you know, I mean, for God's sakes, have you heard half the stuff coming out of Adam Rose's mouth tonight? I mean, dude, you want to talk about reading from rote memory off of a friggin' card? That was right. horrible. Yeah, I, I was. I'm not a fan of Adam Rose as far as a, a worker, but you know, personally, I want him to succeed just because. Well, at least at, at least we don't have to worry about the friggin' revelers anymore because they they never really fit the gimmick after he friggin' went after the bunny. Yeah. Listen, what happened with that? I'm still waiting for the damn rabbit to come back and seek revenge. The rabbit won't be back, and I found that out because I was reading online that at one point or another, the rabbit was actually Justin Gabriel, which requested his release. And if you notice, the rabbit hasn't been there since Royal Rumble. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Didn't yep. Gabriel get released before the Royal Rumble, though? He asked for his release the night before Royal Rumble, and the bunny wasn't in the Rumble. But I'm saying he left right around that same time. Huh. Well, they could yeah. always just put somebody else in the suit. I mean, for God's sakes, they did it with Manic. They could. Like, how many times How many times did Manic get somebody new in that suit down in TNA, you know? Oh, yeah. But they, they just didn't, though, is what I'm saying. It, they killed that whole idea off. Yeah, but. well, I, I still want to see the rabbit come back for revenge, but that's just me. 
all in all, you know, without having any lead up to, you know, the first Raw we've had, um, where it's not, you know, after reviewing a pay-per-view, prepping for the next pay-per-view. So, you know, we got a couple more weeks here, excuse me, before back or uh, battle. Yeah, we have four solid so. weeks. That's actually the most I've seen them build up to something since WrestleMania. Seems like yeah. every other time it's been like two weeks here, two weeks there. You know, sometimes it, it felt like it was only one week considering how bad the build-up was. Yep, I agree. Uh, this week's Raw, I give it a, a C plus. There was nothing that stood out to me like it was the greatest. For me, I would have given it a C, mainly for that same reason. I mean, you had, you had the Dean Ambrose match, which was great. You had basically Brock Lesnar getting the living crap kicked out of him, which I loved, and I loved the, you know, Cena-Owens match, but the uh, not match, promo, but really, other than that, nothing was really a big standout. Yep, I'm right there with you. I didn't, didn't feel it was all that impressive. Nothing made me go, this is the greatest show. There was a couple little promos here and there. There was a lot of centering on uh Seth Rollins and how things were going to go down. You had the opening promo with Paul Heyman, you know, but, I mean, you can't give a show everything but from just that interview with Paul Heyman. I mean, he's the yeah. greatest on the microphone in forever, but he's still not going to put over an entire show all by himself. Mm-hmm. Not again, not that situation, but it'll be interesting to see what they do next week. Brock Lesnar going to try to get some revenge on Seth, or are they going to keep letting Seth get over on Brock so that he looks like he's more capable of beating Brock at... Battle At this route. point, who knows? I, I'm, I'm just hoping they leave the belt on Seth. And I can't even believe I'm saying that, but yeah, I mean, like I said before, <laughs> if, if it comes down to Seth Rollins as champion or Brock Lesnar as champion, I'll take Seth any day of the week. Yeah, I say you go with Raw. I say you go with Edge. Bring Edge back. Or, get, or, get, or give it to The <laughs> well, Rock. You, you do realize Edge is never coming back, bro. Then they should give it to The Rock. No, no, screw you! Screw you, you and the horse you rode in on, pal. Right. If they ever bring the rock back and put the belt on him again, I'm leaving. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. A, I'm not a fan of uh, of Rock right now. I mean, I mean, I'm a fan of him, but he's just. I'm not. I don't know what he can do as a champion. Again, it would just get bland. And again, I think, I, I'm just pissed with him having now. you know going off to Hollywood and abandoned you know wrestling. I mean, wrestling made him, and he ran off to Hollywood, and yeah. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I know a lot of people, I know a lot of people badmouth Hogan for the fact that you know. Sean basically, you know, bitched about him not, you know, giving him a win during their feud. I'm like, dude, seriously? First off, who are you compared to Hulk Hogan by comparison? Are you talking about Shawn Michaels? Yes, but I'm using it in the context of, think about this, people are bitching about The Rock, you know, being over in Hollywood all the time, you know, coming back, you know what I'm saying? Right. You know, because they're saying, you know, why isn't he coming back? I'm like, dude, he's never coming back. The Rock you know, I mean, he, he says, oh, my spirit and heart lies with the WWE. Except I'm going to be over here in Hollywood. At least Hogan came back. You know, for all anybody bitches about Hogan, you know, being, you know, the big star and everybody, you know, having so much focus on him, at least he stayed with the business. But yes, he did, he did movies, but <laughs> that wasn't his only but, thing. But being all honesty and giving, you know, giving, you know, calling a cat, you know, calling a spade a spade is, it, it's very simple. Is that you're saying that well, at least Hogan came back, and The Rock is still, you know, he's based in Hollywood now, and he comes to wrestling every now and again, as opposed to being. And in when wrestling. you consider the fact that he screwed up so many people, but, just going into WrestleMania 28, not to say nothing of, of the damage he did in this, he did to Cena's career. But if you look at it from the, but you look at the from the facts. Hulk Hogan didn't come back to wrestling because that's where his heart was. Hulk Hogan came back to wrestling because that's where the paycheck was. There wasn't a paycheck in Hollywood for him. 
That's the truth. There was not. Well, a, he was not say, a draw. Say, he was. He I'm was not yes a draw. No. No. Yes and no. Because think about this. He was not when a draw. When he first hit Hollywood with Rocky Three, he pretty much overshadowed Stallone, and even Stallone will will admit to that that initially. People wanted to know who the wrestler was in the Thunderlip scene more than they wanted to talk about Rocky III. So at the time, he actually could have been an up-and-coming he movie didn't, star, but he, he chose wrestling. No, he didn't. He didn't have the talents to make it in Hollywood the way The Rock does. There's, no, there's no, a big just, difference well, between. Here's the thing. Here's the there's thing. a big difference in between The, 90s the Rock and, and the early 2000s. Maybe in the 80s, he would have been a perfect fit for an action for an action hero, and you can't deny that. Because honestly, you look at No Holds Barred, which was an 80s movie, he was right there. He fit in perfectly with an 80s style movie character actor. Which is to say, I mean, cause let's be honest. In the 80s, most, most characters weren't characters. They, they were cookie-cutter you know, things there. And Hogan actually was probably a better actor than half the guys they had out there who weren't Stallone or Arnold. But let's be honest here, again... At the time that Hogan showed up in Rocky Three, he overshadowed Stallone at first simply because he was more impressive and he had a lot more charisma on screen than most people who that he was up against in other movies had with him. You know, I mean, he, he had I don't know. Carl I think Weathers. That... He had Carl Weathers, who was the only guy at that point who was as charismatic as, as anybody else that he'd been on the screen with. They bring in Mr. T again, very charismatic. I thought he outshone Stallone. Hogan was the same way. Hogan could have gone into Hollywood in 1981 and stayed there, even if his movies were just B-movies. But he came back to wrestling because that really was where the passion that he had was. Because remember, he started out as a rock band player, and he got into wrestling, grew to love it, you know, and you know, obviously he did try to do a couple of movies here and there, but it was never a full-time thing for him. Whereas with The Rock, it's the exact opposite. He became, he became a wrestler, he got wooed away to Hollywood, and then forgot where his roots were. I'm just reading some stuff as you were talking about that, just trying to take a look and see what they're saying about that. But I think what it comes down to is, realistically, with Hogan's situation, what he was able to do, I'm not trying to you know, put down what he did, but you're talking movies like Suburban Commando, Mr. Nanny, well, Santa, no, 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 Santa no, no, with no. Muscles. That was perfect. That's the 90s. And again, you're looking at B movies anyway, and I never said he was ever going to win like an Oscar. No, 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 no. I, I get that. But my point what is. What I'm saying, though, is that if, you're looking, if you're looking at the paycheck from those at, movies. When he first started out? Paycheck at WrestleMania or the paycheck at Starcade. He's taking the paycheck at Starcade. And except the, for one thing. One thing, one thing you got to remember, though. He one thing in, you got to remember, though. Starcade, first off, didn't happen until 83. He was doing Rocky Three around 81, 82, and he did have a lot of interest from Hollywood at the time, and he chose wrestling, even though they didn't even have pay-per-views back then. But I think what it comes down to is the writing on the wall was there for him. He was never going to be the A-list celeb at, Russell, at the... At the you know, he's an ego guy. He likes to be in control. History shows you, you it. You show me somebody who isn't at, at some level have an ego and like to be in control. I will show you somebody who either hasn't been born yet, has a really good goddamn press agent, or is dead and buried. 
I don't know, man. I just look at him and I see the, I see, I, I know the history. We all know what's been said about him. It's in every book by every guy who's come across him. There's and not again, so I, people. I, half of that, I wonder half of how much of that is actually true and how much of that is just, you know, Hogan had the spot at the time. And yeah, like, but and thing anybody, is that you got to look at it like this. position would have protected his spot. Okay, and, and I get how much of it? How much of it was legit, and how much of it was just them being sour grapes? That Hogan had the spot, right guy, right time, right place, and he fought like hell to defend that. Look at Triple H. Triple H is the same way, but for some reason, people act like Triple H's shit don't stink. No, but you know the <laughs> thing is worse. Than- the thing is, when you think about the fact that at WrestleMania, you know, at Hogan, what it came down to is he had the opportunity to star in some movies. Rocky Three, No Holds Barred, Suburban Commando, Mr. Nanny. And knowing his ego and his situation and where he stood, what it all came down to is that it was either, you know, Hogan's history states it, you know, that he's an egomaniac. You could see it in his Hogan's No Best. You could see it in all the things that he's ever been a part of. And people will tell you working with him, you know, he's, you know, he's nice, but, you know, they, they also come back and you always hear about the horror stories about how it was always him, it was always had to be him. And knowing that, he wanted to be the top guy. He wanted to be the top draw. He wanted to be the guy everybody looked up to and the one that got to make the calls and make the choices that the way things were being done. He was never going to get that opportunity in the movies. So if he had done that and he had continued doing, you know, he had You're continued still there? Movies, yeah, if he had continued doing movies... How did I get muted? I don't think you got muted, did you? It just said I am unmuted. What happened? Oh, I'm sorry, Mark. I don't know exactly what happened, Mark. <laughs> I don't know. So, but one thing, the, one thing you got to know, dude... One thing you got to think about is this: Who is one of the one guy? Who's like the one manager that just about everybody in the business respects more than anybody else? Bobby Heenan, and Heenan is a longtime friend of Hogan's, and he actually he again he's one of the most respected guys in the business. If Hogan really was everything that these people are, are saying he is. I really don't think Bobby would have hung around as a friend for Hogan as long as he did. And they are still friends. So honestly, hand to God, and again, Jimmy Hart's another one. If, if Hogan was the guy that all these people say, you know, oh, he was this, he was that, he was a nightmare, yada, yada, yada. If he really was all that, I don't think guys as well-respected and well-liked as Bobby Heenan, Jimmy Hart, hell, even, you know, guys like Gene Oakland and the rest, would have still hung out with him. I mean, yeah, he had a lot of star power, but, dude, if if you want to talk about being where the money is, yeah, Hogan was where the money was for a while, but even we all know WWF, you know, by 1996, they were outpacing them money-wise. They were saying that they weren't because they wanted to compete with WCW and they wanted to lure viewers, which is fine. I mean, that's now that's business. But, dude, WWF was making money hand over fist, you know, at the same time Hogan is on the wane, and yet Bobby Heenan still sticks up for the guy. Jimmy Hart is still his real-life manager and friend. Eric Bischoff, for as much as people... People have their own problems with Bischoff, but the one thing that they've always said was that at least the guy always honored his contracts, for the most part, unless there was really some reason that he couldn't. I don't think he... You know? I don't think... I, I think that's all comes down to the fact that it wasn't about Eric Bischoff honoring his cha- contracts, other than the fact that he threw a guarantee on there. And when there's a guarantee on there, you go to court, you get in your but money. But that's one thing. That's one they, thing. <laughs> With Eric, that's one thing. But what about Bobby? What about Jimmy? What about Gene Okerlund? Look at all these guys 
who are some of the most respected people in the business, managers, announcers, and these guys are friends with Hogan. If he was as bad as these other guys are saying, why would these guys, who are still loved and respected by a vast majority of the people inside the business, even waste their time with Hogan? Because name recognition and the amount of that. I mean, we have Russell Dude, are, you honest, are you honestly telling me? Are we you have honestly Russell telling Mania, me? Right? Looking back at it, Bobby Heenan is one of the most recognized names in the wrestling business. I, I don't yes, think that's 100% true other dude, than maybe our generation. Dude, nobody knows who he is nowadays. Nobody knows who he is nowadays, but think about right. this. Back, at the, back in the day, think, again, think about this. Austin is on the rise. Rock is on the rise. All these guys are on the rise, and they are becoming names as big as Hogan was. Granted, I always thought Hogan did more with what he had by comparison because there was no Internet back in the day. But think about this. You had all these guys who even 20, 30 years later, I mean, if, they, if Hogan really was such a bad guy, wouldn't you think that now that there's really no reason to, quote-unquote, stick around with him because of name recognition, they would have come out and said something against him at that point, saying, yes, all these other guys are right, and I was just basically doing this just because at the time I was trying to protect my spot. You know, you know what, what I, think they would, what I, right? What I would say is that in regards to that, the way I would approach that, Mark, is like this. And give me a second to go in on this one. So with that point, you've named a bunch of guys that are very close to Hogan. And if they're close to Hogan, how many times did they benefit from the push and the spot that Hogan was in? How many opportunities were these guys in that they may have been cut down or they may not have gotten the position or the spots that they had because Hogan was where he was? And if Hogan didn't I would like agree with you on that only so, for one, on, except for one on, thing. Hold on, hold on, hold on a second. So keep following me here. Now, if we if we continue going on the path, let's talk about someone like that was on the that was equally as popular and was projected to have another opportunity. Let's look at a guy like Macho, who had right there star power with Hogan at the time. I mean, he wasn't doing the movies and stuff, but as far as like his, his situation in the business, in the professional wrestling world, Macho was right there neck and neck with him. Ric Flair was right there neck and neck with him. And let's even throw the Ultimate Warrior in there. Two of those four guys, you know, two of those three guys that I just named are all have since passed. But if you recall, there was a lot of animosity between a lot of those guys because of things that Hogan did. Warrior spoke very, you know, venomously about Hogan, and he worked with him tons of times because, you know, he was a name big enough to go toe-to-toe with Hogan, you know, when he was doing that. And if you consider the fact that guys like Ultimate Warrior, who, while he may not be as respected because he was kind of loopy and weird, Macho Man... Macho Man no, was yeah, completely... No offense to the guy. I mean, God rest right. his soul. Well, I'm, 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 just not, I'm, not, I'm just not going there. I'm not going to say anything bad about the guy. That's what I'm saying. I mean, we know he has a history of his own things, but he was never a guy that anybody talked bad about in the fact that he wasn't willing to lay down, he wasn't willing to put over. You know, did you Warrior ever see the self-destruction of the Ultimate Warrior? That's pretty much all they did. They put him down from the fact that he was weird and that he was, he was a nut job and all that stuff, but not as far as, like, putting guys down. Like, I'm not going to put you over. I'm not going to put this guy over. I'm not going to put this guy over. That was, you know, Ultimate Warrior, you know, could go neck and neck with Hogan in popularity when they were, you know, going at each other at WrestleMania six. And you look at that and the fact that he can still sit there and be like, and he went over on Hogan. He went over on Hogan, won the He title, did. And he did. And, he, and he, he, was, still, he was the only guy literally for eight years. But, Nobody else can honestly say they went undefeated exactly. against Hogan for eight years. So my point is, when you look at that situation and you talk about that, and you've got a guy like him who he 
he he should be realistically um you know he's not a friend of Hogan's so he's got an I I don't know if it's a biased or an unbiased he has an unbiased non he has a non friendship opinion of Hogan and his opinion was a shit on Hogan situation and the guys except like Hogan. the problem was that and you Warrior had guys like was again you had guys like was one of the few guys who did Flair have a respect- lot of popularity but think Rick about this think about this guy. though is Rick is Rick Flair a respected guy. Oh, absolutely, but then again... He has said plenty about Hulk Hogan. He has said plenty about Hogan in a negative light. But how much of that was because at the time they were rivals... No, 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 no. I'm not talking on TV. And I'm not talking, I'm not talking on stage. I'm, I'm talking, talking about how much of it was because you had two guys who were the biggest names in the goddamn industry, you know, and they were both very, very jealously protective of their spots. Flair for his... And don't get me wrong... Flair has done the job for people. Hogan has done the job for people. But think about this: when you went to when Hogan went to WCW, who was the biggest name in the company? Rick Flair. Who was going to be his biggest rival for the top spot in WCW when he got to WCW? Hulk Hogan. Did Flair know this? You bet your ass he did. And they did compete. There's no question about that. But think about this: think about this, Flair is one of those guys who was a rival with Hogan even before they were ever in the same company together because at the same time they were fighting for name recognition. They were fighting to be the face of the industry. Whether or not they had ever met, and they were in the same company at, at one time. There was a time very briefly, and it's, it's almost been completely forgotten. In fact, if I hadn't read about it years ago in Pro Wrestling Illustrated's 50th anniversary issue, I wouldn't even know this. There was a time Hogan was within a hair's breadth of becoming the NWA World Heavyweight Champion something like two months before Starcade 83. We could have seen Hulk Hogan as the world champion for the National Wrestling Alliance, and God only knows how that might have altered history. We'll get to that uh, you know, either later on today or another time. But again, Flair, Hogan, they were threats to each other for name recognition, and, and, and the big money, and they knew it from the get-go. So, yes, for the longest time, they were going to shit on each other. No, There's no question about that. But think about this. Randy Savage. Let me use your example of Randy Savage. All right? Randy is a guy who has literally been both friend and enemy of Hogan. But think about this. Every single guy that we've talked about has two things in common. One, they all made their name at different times without being around Hogan at first, and some of them actually predated Hogan in the WWF, some of them postdated him in the WWF, but predated him in the industry and were as popular before him as well as after. Now think about this. Hogan goes off WrestleMania four. They think that's gonna be the end of it. They think he's going over to Hollywood. He goes over, does no holds barred. It didn't you know, it's not a box office smash, but you know, he could have gone off and done B-movies. There was, there was nothing stopping him. He may not have gotten as big a paycheck, but he would have gotten more paychecks by comparison, and the work would have been easier because he would have had a damn stunt double. Think about that, all right? But, for, all right, we're getting a little, we're getting way off track here, yeah. dude. Yeah. We, we actually, we were planning <laughs> to do a lot of other stuff here, so let, yeah, let's, let's get off this and let's move yeah. along. I think, I, I think let, let, let's just go into the, into the ace in the hole today because I know, First off, I know you got a top ten, and I want to hear what this is. So yeah. I think you, I, I got a feeling you're going to be a little bit longer on this than I am. So let's uh, let's okay. roll into that. So 
we have the ace in the hole this week, and it's the uh, top. I'm going with the top ten, and, and you know, sticking with the ace and holes basic concept of giving you a top five, top ten list. And uh, this week we're going with the top ten, and this is in regards to you know what tomorrow night is, or you know, I guess you know tonight if you know paying attention to the clock. But once you download this podcast, uh, it's going to be uh, June 23rd is going to be the debuting episode of Tough Enough. If you haven't gone out on the WWE Network and watched it yet, they have the they have the behind the scenes elimination from 40 competitors down to the final 13 and they did a little show and I have to say I've been a fan of Tough Enough since day one from the first season just because of being a fan of wrestling and having always wanted to make it into Tough Enough and be one of those guys I've never submitted a tape once I know you have I did. so you have your history of it and you are also sour about season two with the two girls and stuff but without going too deep in on that situation um, I, I'm going to actually keep the ace in a hole for the next several weeks, until I get bored with it, I'm going to keep it tough enough related. I might give a little oh, recap. God. I might give a little recap of last week's uh, eliminations and some of the guys as they're progressing because it's a different format than it's ever been before. In the past, tough enough. Yeah, it's supposed to be social media based this time, right? Yeah, it's it's involving the viewers. Uh, in the past, it's always been a pre-recorded show with the final being live. Um, you know, but with the day, the dawn of the internet, and how. Um, social media and all that stuff, such a large part of dawn it. Dawn of the internet. Dude, the internet was years before the first No, but <laughs> I didn't say the dawn. I said the growth of it and the fact that there's so much of it and it's so social media really has given such a, a flow true, of information true. going back and forth on a daily basis that, uh, you know, it's hard to keep a lot of this stuff under wraps and to try to sell the product. They're going with a week. It's actually being recorded live, not necessarily live, but within hours of the show being launched. It's They're just finishing up the last couple, you know, you know, ep, you know, recording the, the show and then they're broadcasting it live. And the way it's going to work is... They're, uh, the way the the way this season's going to happen is they've got 13 competitors and 13 actually fairly interesting competitors. There's some guys that I'm really rooting for on the show this year, and what you have is uh, these 13 competitors, seven guys I think, and six girls. Uh, one guy is going to win, and one of the girls is going to win. Um, yeah, I believe they, that what happened said. because they they, they <laughs> said that are tough enough too, and look what happened. I, I, I really I, got pissed at that because it was in the paperwork. I understand. I understand completely. Um, but that's the plans with this going forward. So I'm gonna I'm gonna believe them for now until they change the until they change it again. So with that, their plans are to um, have three judges or three trainer coaches, and those three trainer coaches, I believe, are Billy Gunn, Booker T, and Lita. And the three of them, what's going to happen is they're going to select. Hulk Hogan's one of the judges as well. They're they're not a he's not a judge. He's like a participant. Um, no, they probably said he's a judge. Did they actually officially call him a judge? They, they, they've called him a judge since day one. Okay. So I'm not he, sure he's how... He's a judge. Booker's one of the coaches. Hogan's one of the judges. Okay, so with Hogan being the judge, but the way it's going to work is basically, um, I don't know if it's the coaches or the judges, but the three people are going to select three wrestlers, from the three people from the Tough Enough cast. And each one per each coach or each um, judge, I'm not positive how it's going to work, but one of those groups, I'm going to assume it's going to be the judges. So each of the judges gets to pick one of the wrestlers to boot off the Tough Enough show. 
So one, they get to pick one every week. What's going to happen is those three people are going to be put up for vote, and then you and I and the rest of the public get to vote on which one we want to which one we want to keep on. So the more votes someone gets, the more likely are they to stay on the ca- on the show that week. So if basically, they're selected for the bottom three, essentially. If they're the bottom three, they go up for vote, and then you know based on the coaches or the um, the the judges' decision, and then there's the voting process, and whoever has the least amount of votes from the public opinion, they will be booted off the show. Huh. So it's going to be an interesting thing, but there's also going to be a little side note that, and I believe if I read it correctly, the coaches, so this would be Booker T, Lita, and Billy Gunn, will one time throughout the show, be each each one each one of them has a, a basically a save-it card, and they get to use that save-it card on one of the wrestlers um, if they're up for that bottom three or, or something like that, and they can use it one time throughout the entire season. So it resembles face-off from uh, the sci-fi thing. Yeah, so they get to they get to do the save it card real quick and say nope, this guy's covered. You can't put them out for a vote this week, and they can do that hmm. one time. So Booker T uses his week one; it can never be used again by Booker T. Um, I think it's interesting. It's a different approach than they've ever done before. I'm very intrigued. Um, I have to say the cast for this one. If you haven't watched that thing on the WWE Network, it gives you a very. I've good seen a couple insight. of the videos they put up on and Raw. The whole They're thing is really interesting. Um, as far as the behind the scenes stuff, as they were narrowing from 40 to 13, it was very very fun to watch. Uh, it's actually, I, like I said, it's on the WWE Network. I enjoyed it. So without further ado, I bring to you my top 10 previous from seasons one through five. Oh, uh, tough enough, tough enough contestants. And Is it really only been five seasons? Good God! They've only I had it was five six, official seasons. No, that was five. That was season five. Oh, well, there you go. One right, of season six. So I went with uh, number ten, Eric Watts. You guys may remember him from season five. It was the most recent one with Austin. He was the larger than life, six foot seven, six foot eight African American male, and he was slow. He was heavy, and I remember when they were doing the running, he seemed like he threw it in the towel and was walking for a little while, and then I think it was Austin or maybe Bill DeMott had watched him pick up the pace right when he turned the corner, and they could see him on camera running, and they knew prior to that he was walking the the, the drills, and they really lit him up and busted his ass because they're like, you're the biggest guy here, you've got the natural given you know, build and size and potential, but you're half-assing it, not giving it your all. And because of that, I think he was someone who, he had he had the fire that some of the smaller guys we have saw come into Tough Enough that just made, didn't make it because they weren't big enough. Um, if they, they had had the fire that he, some of these other guys had had, he could have maybe potentially been a big name in the WWE. Um, he mm. didn't. You know, they didn't give an opportunity to do a bunch of microphone stuff with Eric Watts, but he was just such a big guy, he would have fit that mold that the WWE typically likes to build around. Um, yeah, I'll be honest. I historically. Had, I, the only time I ever heard the word, the name Eric Watts is like the is like Bill Watts' kid, so when you mentioned Eric Watts, I'm like, I didn't watch much of season five because I didn't really know what day it was on, but... That's not him. That, 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 sounds, like, that sounds kind of like a, it was a shame because sound, he sounded like he was pretty badass looking. Yeah, he was a big guy. He would have been interesting to see what they could have done with him. He, who knows? He might have fizzled out and not made it and been boring, but he was a big guy, so I, I found him interesting. Uh, mm. My number nine pick was from season two. He's actually one of my favorite cast members just because of his look. Again, another big guy. Um, I don't know what his last name was. I think he's like the only guy in the history of the Tough Enough series that I don't know his last name, and uh, it's Jake. He was the guy from season two. He was a big jacked-up guy, and he had the weird, spiky, half-V mohawk on his head. He was actually one of the three finalists. Um, when they 
selected two girls to win in season two. And, yeah, uh, and that's the one that really kind of turned me on that, so... And he never signed on, so it was very disappointing to uh, mm. never see or hear anything else of him. Um, he was—he had a ton of potential. He just—he back then he fit the perfect mold. If the WWE I would be surprised some, if, if, BW, if what happened at uh, season two burnt him on the business altogether. It may have. I don't know exactly, but uh, he was—he was somebody I would have liked to have seen had had an opportunity to make it and give a shot. From there, I have number eight. I have Jeremiah Riggs. He's most recently from season five. He was uh, one of the better of the athletes. He was a you know average sized guy. I think he had some time in the UFC or not maybe not UFC but MMA as a whole. Spent some time doing that, and he he was the guy who got roughed up pretty bad by Bill Demont, and Bill Demont really didn't seem to like him during the Tough Enough season, and kind of roughed him up quite a bit. But he was a very talented little you know. He was a little guy, but he was big enough. He had a big enough build to him that he could work, and he seemed like he had some natural talent in the ring. And he would go up to the top rope. He was a little goofy, and you know, obviously, need to be refined. But he definitely could have done what you've seen plenty of other guys do. And for all we know, being goofy might have actually been a good gimmick for him too. Yeah, yeah. So with that, I have uh, number seven. I have another season five guy. He was actually the runner-up to Andy Devine or whatever the guy's name, Levine, whoever it was that actually won. And uh, he was uh, Luke Robinson. And unfortunately, he had must have done some sort of uh, what I've read online about him was the only reason he missed out was uh, the belief was he was going to win um, towards the end. But right before they made the announcements of the winner and selected Andy Levine as the, the winner, shortly right before that, it, somebody found some old footage of Luke Robinson doing some provocative, not it wasn't graphic, but some what could be considered provocative wrestling maneuvers with other men to make money after high school or college or whatever. And oh, God. They were concerned about the public outlash of maybe possibly using an amateur porn star. And, like, there was some whining and crying about that, and plus it was male-like type stuff. So they didn't like that image that it could portray. So rumor has it that's the reason he didn't get the shot, even though he was far and above Andy Levine in talent and charisma and everything you would want in the wrestler. He looked a lot like a smaller um, version of like a Randy Orton or, you know, he might remember the heartthrobs um, that were there a few years ago in the WWE, probably more than a few years ago now, but he reminded me of like the Antonio Thomas uh, kid that was part of the heartthrobs back in the day with the WWE. I only vaguely remember the name of the heartthrobs. They were... They were kind of there and gone. I mean, I, I yeah, understand why you would remember them simply because tag teams and, and exactly. that sort of thing. So. Yep. So uh, that was my number seven, another one from season five. <laughs> you know, he's one of uh, he's one of four season five cast members. And I will tell you right now, there wasn't a single season four cast member, and I really kind of omitted everyone from season four because that was the season that was Ryback, The Miz, and, like, a bunch of guys who were already signed to WWE development deals. And they basically just did that live SmackDown version of Tough Enough. If season four is the one I think it is, there's the one, one guy from there I would have loved to have seen made it. There was one. There was. The, it was the one that was on SmackDown every week. It was, didn't get its own show. It was one of the. It was the only one that didn't have its own show. Then and it is the one I'm and, thinking of because that's the one where basically the guy that I'm thinking of, which is Daniel Pewter, came yes. like within a hair's yep. breath of making Kurt Angle tap out. And I remember yes. Kurt supposedly got pissed about it. Yep, that was a uh, that was a kind of a shoot there. What he did to him, and it was uh, 
fortunately the refs made it look good and tried to clean it up a little bit. But yeah, I didn't pick anyone. I would from have loved to have seen Pewter in there just because he had the balls to do that. I didn't pick anyone from season four because they were all guys that had either been contracted to OVW, had already come down to OVW a number of times, or already. Pewter was seen... the only one I think who hadn't. He was no. coming in from MMA. Yeah, but they had all they had all made a face and appearance in the OVW um, Did development. He? Wow, I didn't know that. Prior to that, what did that happen like, anyway? Uh, he moved on. He got booted for attitude and stuff. He was a young kid, but after that, no, I, I mean, did he ever go to any other, pro- to any other promotions? No. Um, eh, that's kind of a shame. And uh, uh, he went to Ring of Honor, I think, for a match or two, but he didn't last, if I remember correctly. Mm. But uh, so next number I have is number six, and I have Matt Morgan, who's made this. He's made one of my top tens before. Um, he was a uh, talented big man from season two. He and you know, I'm sure you remember him because he was. Yep, a and of course he, he did eventually get into the business. You know, so he you got know, signed. Congratulations, him. He did eventually make it. So yeah, he was one of the. Uh, he was one of a handful of the guys from season two that was overlooked when they picked the two girls, um, Charmel and whatever the other one was, or whatever their Jacqueline. names were. Jacqueline. Jacqueline. Well, maybe that was what it was. But, uh, oh, yeah, Jackie. That's what it was. Yeah. And they took those two, but he was one of the men that was right, nor- I believe, right towards the end. I think they had, like, final five contestants. I think Matt Morgan, uh, Jake, Josh, Matthews. And Kenny King. That- the two girl. Oh no, you're right. It was Kenny King, Jake, and Josh Matthews were the final three men, and they had the two girls, and they picked two girls and kind of shocked everybody. Yeah, and again, a lot no. of people got pissed off about it too, yeah. so, including the yours old, truly. The good old anything can happen days, you know. So with that yeah. said, I had Matt Morgan at number six. Uh, he was from season two. He was a talented big man. He's shown a ton of potential in TNA, and at one point had rumors of making a return to WWE, but there was a bunch of contract issues where the WWE was being investigated for some kind of contract. Um, suppose, yeah, supposedly stuff Flair was, was involved in that, too, somehow. Yeah. Yeah, there were some things going on where information got leaked to WWE and they were trying to make moves on guys and offer them deals to, you know, overshoot TNA and TNA put some stop, you know, in there. So basically a lot of guys there, you know, including guys like Alex Shelley and, and Matt Morgan was one of them that got missed out because of TNA putting like the cease and desist on WWE to pursuing those guys. And uh, for that was the top six right there and with Matt Morgan, season two. Another guy from season two I uh, have here is uh, Kenny King, who just mentioned, another final. I'm assuming that's your number five. Yeah, that's number five. Um, Kenny King, he's uh, obviously he's been in TNA now recently, most recently. He spent a lot of time in Ring of Honor, done mm-hmm. a lot of indies, and really built a name for himself. I would actually compare him to a, a guy like Shelton Benjamin, you know, who... But, you know, the difference is he never got the opportunity in the WWE to really ever really do anything. And he was one of the few guys who who was very vocal about what happened. In fact, they even had him on, um, I think it was Confidential, was that late night one where they had the occasional call-in. Okay. And he actually did call into that, and, and he did voice, you know, his disgust at what they did. And he even mentioned, I do believe that it said in the paperwork, one guy, one girl, and then and then basically Vince screwed everybody who, you know, had signed in from the guy's side and then, and, and kind of... Hilariously, I mean, think about it. I mean, where where are those two girls now? Nowhere. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, without a doubt, neither one of them are anywhere in the business. I believe Jackie's husband still wrestles on the Indies with Charlie Haas, but that's about right. it. So then you had Kenny King at uh, number five from season two. Number four, um, Matt Cross. He was on 
season five, most recent one with Stone Cold Steve Austin. He was the guy who, um, you know, stood there in front of Stone Cold, and Stone Cold was like, why didn't you do it? And he was like, oh, I could have done more. Give me another shot. And he looked at him, and, you know, Matt Cross, a little guy, um, was very uh, looked very sad and emotional at the time. And, like, if I had just given a little bit more, he was like, I was trying to save it. I was trying to save it for a little while. I didn't want to, you know, I came here, kept my head down, kept quiet. I didn't want to brag. I didn't want to overdo anything. And, you know, you know, I, wanted, I didn't want to stand out and cause the trouble, so I kind of kept my mouth shut. That's kind of what you have to do in Tough Enough, though, to get noticed. And that's where the problem is. Steve said, you know, well, you did the wrong thing. This isn't the place to make yourself kind of just get by and wait for your time. Your time was now, and you pa- it over. it's past you. So give me the belt. And he, like, tugged away at Stone Cold like he didn't want to give the belt and then he was gone I will say that you know they missed the ball on him because he's a very much like uh, he, he he could be compared to a Daniel Bryan in his athleticism and ability um, he's uh, M-Dog on the indies I think I think he was M-Dog at one point I could be wrong but I, if I recall correctly that's who he was I know he was very outspoken in regards to the Tough Enough or the Tough Enough Season 5 being a sham and not being a fan of it at all so uh, he was number four on my list. I, I think the WWE missed out on him, and he was one of my favorite contestants that I would have liked to see actually have given him a fair shot. Then uh, I have my top three. And my top three, you know, my number three is actually my favorite, but um, I didn't give him the number one spot because I don't feel like he had the opportunity to do what he should have. And his, uh, he was uh, Matt Capitelli. He was from season three. He was, a, uh, he was from the same season that uh, Johnny, Mercury, Johnny Nitro um, Johnny, uh, what was his name? John Thunder Morrison. was they're calling him now over at Lucha Underground. Yeah. Yes, John, John Yeah, I'll be honest, after season two, I pretty much didn't watch anything of um, well, Tough Enough was, until every so often when I would clip in and out of, like, season five. So most of these names I don't recognize. I don't know if Matt Catapatelli was the runner-up or if he was, I don't recall if he was the runner-up or if he was the co-winner with John Morrison, but uh, he was a talented uh, wrestler. And he really, oh, no, I'm sorry, he was not, he was a winner. Both him and John uh, Morrison both won. And uh, he was he was an amazing, uh, amazing athlete in the ring. His wrestling, he got the di- contract, went down to OVW, and actually uh, worked with a lot of guys, uh, like Johnny Jeter, who ended up being part of the, uh, that cheerleading group there that uh, Ziggler was part of. Oh, uh, God, the Spirit squad. squad, is that where he ended up? Yeah. He well he was he was a, he was working with one of the guys Johnny Jeter on there spent a lot of time working with those guys he was a talented wrestler but mm. unfortunately uh, he had some issues that he ended up going to the doctors being diagnosed with a brain tumor and, uh, he had it removed in 2008 but uh, you know he you know his career pretty much ended after that he has since moved on and you know he's doing other things outside of wrestling you know he actually played uh, football at a. Uh, Western Michigan University prior to all that and being tough enough and actually went to school. Wow. He was on the same team as, uh, oh, who was the one guy? Uh, I can't remember one guy, but I know the other guy was uh, Colt Cabana. They wrestled, they, they played on the same football team at, at the same time. And, huh. uh, he was huge and like he was, he would have, he would have done a ton. He would have been the equivalent to, uh, you know, he would have done what Johnny Moore, John Morrison did in the business, if not more, and had some success in WWE. Nice. Had, Interesting note, though, you bring up the brain tumor thing. You know who yeah. actually had a similar situation, actually had a brain tumor and had it removed, but actually kept going in the business? Who's that? Jushin Liger. I did not know that. I'm I did not know pretty that. sure I remember reading about that in, like, PWI years ago. It was either Jushin Liger or one of the Tiger Masks, and I think it was Liger. I had no, I had no idea that. I, I, I don't even remember. I'd have to look it up. I'm not even sure if anybody still has the information anymore. It may have been a kayfabe yeah. story, but 
I do remember, I, I'm pretty sure it was Liger, and I think it's, because there's been like, what, three or four people who have gone under the mask, and I think it was the most, at the time, it was like, like late 90s, early 2000s, and it was like, they, they referenced that he had actually had a brain tumor, had it removed, and actually successfully came back. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, that that's kind of an interesting story there, so. Yeah. Now, well, with the, with that, I, I had him at number three. He was one of my favorite. Unfortunately, never had the opportunity to have the, you know show the potential that he had. He was on the verge of being called up to the main roster. I know they had talked in November, you know, of the of the year that he, you know, November before he was diagnosed that he was going to get called up in 2005. Oh wow! Then, uh, December he had been, you know, he went to the doctors and had some tests and and realized that he had a brain tumor and it was indeed cancerous. So it definitely Yikes. cost him, you know, obviously a ton of opportunities in wrestling. He was on the verge and it was a very unfortunate situation. But yeah, uh, absolutely. one of my favorites on Tough Enough. And uh then you had uh the top two and my uh my number two is John Hennigan, which is also known as John Morrison, Johnny Mondo, um and Johnny Nitro from all the times in WWE and all the way up to Lucha Underground. Uh one of my favorite athletes probably in the last like seven, eight years um, that was in the WWE. He did a lot of things uh, very well. He had a natural charisma, and he, he was, was a continental champion too, and a yeah. U.S. champion, I think. He did a he did a number of things. He was ECW champion during the revision. He did yep. a lot of things for the WWE. Um, unfortunately, I think the WWE. He was actually one of my favorite guys in the Rumble for a long time because he would do some crazy stuff at the Rumble. As far as like uh, before she, before uh, before Kofi was doing all his stuff. Uh, John Johnny Morrison. John Morrison was doing the you know bounce offs, run the rails, jump back in the ring, doing yep. well, what he called parkour um, type stuff. Which is which is actually what it was. And that's amazingly what, enough, parkour is an actual thing. So. It is, and it's something that he takes very. He's been always he's been a part of for a long time. So he delivers yep. that into the to his role in the Rumbles and stuff, and added some entertainment. One of my favorite guys to watch in the Royal Rumble. I'm disappointed to see him not in the WWE, but great. You know, great to watch him recently in the hour-long Iron Man match on the. I Lucha. missed that, and I'm kind of upset too. Was it was it as good as it sounded? Check it out on YouTube. It was really good. It was. Really oh God! Good. So yeah, it was. Like, it was uh, Mundo versus what? Prince Puma. Prince Puma, aka something else. I don't know what he goes by his real name. But <laughs> yeah, whatever. Got another. He's got another name out there, and he's he's a talented he's a talented worker. Oh too. yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen a couple of episodes, not a lot, but I've seen a couple of episodes of uh, Lucha Underground. I know how good the guy is. And then uh, that brings me to my number one. And this number one guy, is uh, he was the first season winner in uh, Maven, and uh, the male male winner. And I gave it to Maven because he was one of the best. Because when I watched him, when he was doing Tough Enough, the way he spoke um, so calmly and perfect when he would do his promos leading up to the, the announcing of the winner and as he was leading in and competing against the other contestants, he was able to speak, and I could almost feel like we were watching another guy who had the natural ability to entertain the fans the same way The Rock did. I think the problem Maven suffered from is that The Rock was still fresh in everybody's mind, and he mm. didn't have the ability to be exactly as good as, he wasn't able to be as good as The Rock but he had so much and he, you could tell that when he was doing well they let him actually eliminate The Undertaker in his first no. Royal Rumble That so I, I think at the start they did have some faith in the guy but then like The Rock just overshadowed him yeah I think what happened is his his character was modeled too much after The Rock and I also think they, that they, uh, I don't think that he got a well 
well-liked in the locker room because there's probably a lot of animosity because he was the first one out of this Tough Enough series that was basically like spoon-fed right to the WWE main stage, you know, getting that opportunity that, you know, the majority of those guys on the roster at that time had fought from the bottom to get to the top without any quick... You know, fast. You know, fast lane to the top spot. Yeah, and getting fast tracked probably didn't do him any favors. So he he was entertaining. I thought he had oh, no in ring ability saying, you know, to go with them. I can understand them, where where they were probably coming from. I mean, you even said he I didn't mean, have the opportunity. Like that? Yeah. And it would have been nice to see him, you know, last a little bit longer. But he has since moved out of the business, and he's no longer part of wrestling. But he's my number one. What was Low Key called? I know he won one of the Tough Enoughs, and he was brought in. He didn't win the Tough Enough. He was, he was in part, one of them. I know he that. Was part of, no, he wasn't. He was in part of. He was part of NXT. Okay, what was but he calling? What were they calling him back then? Do you remember? When they were doing the the NXT, he was uh, Senshi. Was that what it was? Or no, no, Senshi was when when he came back to TNA because they wanted a name they could they could uh, trademark for whatever reason. Yeah. Uh, and I can't remember off the top of my head goes, what it he was. He goes by Low Key again now. Yeah, he does because basically he said, "Screw it, I want my original name." It was Caval. There you go. Yeah, that's another guy that I really thought they dropped the ball with because he was one of the he still is one of the most exciting guys out there. Yeah, but you know, and I, I mentioned him before. One of the guys WB missed the ball on when I yep. uh, when I gave that back at one of the first episodes of Ace in a Hole. Yeah, but absolutely. I, I'm gonna say that's the Ace in a Hole this week, and look forward to next week when I give a little review of the first episode of Tough Enough, which is tomorrow. All right. Well, there you go, and uh, I haven't decided yet if I'm going to watch that yet, because, again, I have issues with Tough Enough. However, that leads us into a certain zone of effect, or area of effect. No, I think it's more of a mark effect. (laughs) And, actually, I'm going to bring back a little bit of a segment that uh, we haven't seen for a while called, What the Hell?, And uh, let let me uh, give you a little rundown for those of you who missed the last one. This is basically just a case of where I look at a character, a gimmick, or just a weird moment in time that just basically brings to mind three words. What the hell? And we're going back, and I mean way back. We're going back almost 20 years here to the doinks, to the kings, and the Bastion Boogers, all three of which were pure what-the-hell moments. Now, to give you a little bit of background now, Ace, now I don't know how, how long you had cable. I did not have cable where I was living for the longest time. All right? So what this basically boiled down to was when we finally got cable up by us, it was like 93, 94. I finally got the chance to start watching Raw, I think, like the following year because we finally got the channel that it was on. And by the weirdest coincidence... This was a time when we had a couple of things happening. One, Bastion Booger was in the company, and it was the dumbest thing I'd ever seen, and I thought nothing could top that. It was bad enough that they had a wrestling clown out there. Unfortunately, the wrestling clown is where things basically, where they basically went, okay, we're just going to start snorting the coke or cutting it with crack and then snorting. I don't know what was going on there, but somebody said, well, hey, we got this wrestling clown, and the kids seem to love him. Let's give him a trio of midgets. And that basically led into one of the strangest Survivor Series matches of all time. 
Now I'm trying to remember this off the top of my head. You can for, you can forgive me if I'm being if I'm being somewhat uh, misremembering on this. Although I know you're you're a tag team buff, so maybe this is something you remember. The original team it was basically the Clowns versus the Royals or whatever the hell the the team names were. You had Doink and Dink, who had been around for about half a year at that point, because I think he had been presented to Doink as a present from Santa Claus the previous year. I, I don't even know how that happens. And then they introduced Wink and Pink, if I'm remembering this right. Well, somehow we that got was, into a few... What? That was the royal family with Jerry Lawler, Sleazy, Queasy, and Cheesy. Yep. That was actually what I was about to get into. Yeah, it's basically... They wrestled somehow he got into a feud with Jerry Lawler... Yep. And they wrestled Clowns or Us, Doink the yep. Clown, Dink the Clown, Pink and Wink. Yep. So this was this entire feud lasted something like I want to say like almost lasted a month and a half before they even got into the Survivor Series. And then they decided to go here's Doink and Dink, and then you got Wink and Pink. God, that the the dude who was playing Pink really must have been paid a lot to to let them call him that. I mean, just considering the connotations at the time. But then think about these little friggin' guys who are basically being called sleazy, queasy, and cheesy. Dude, if Pink was being paid a lot of money just to let them call him Pink, what were these guys able to demand? Because, dude, that is really, really, really sad, you know? I don't even know what they were thinking with this. This is this is what this is what I talk about when I say what the hell, because remember remember one thing, this was the era when Vince Russo was working for the WWF. Now a lot of people say, oh well, he did such revolutionary things. Most of the time, I look at him and say, did you ever see Clowns Are Us versus the Royal Family? They go, no. He was working there at the time. And he was one of their major writers. And people just kind of looked at me like, really? I'm like, yes. More than li- now, I don't know if this really was one of his brain children, but I honestly would not be surprised just because of how just weird this entire thing was. And, you know, again, to put this in perspective, people are going, well, how could he possibly have done that? You know, he couldn't come up with a match that bad. To which I then point out, Judy Bagwell on a pole, or Viagra on a pole. I don't even know what the point was of either one of those. But yet, once again, Vince Russo, his friggin' hand prints were all over that. I really get the feeling this is another one of his. And again, the whole thing was just pure what the hell. Uh, it was weird enough when you had a second clown who's like the little, he's like the little person there, and then you get the other two. Okay. Doink, Dink, Wink, and Pink at least made a certain amount of sense because they're the kind of things you would almost expect to see in a circus anyway. But then you had Jerry Lawler, who was the king, and he decides that his little friends here are called Sleazy, Queasy, and Cheesy. I, I know he was a heel at the time, but this is just beating a dead horse. Or this, this might be using a dead horse to beat a tree. I don't know what this was. Okay, but this again, you ever you ever wondered what I meant when I said what the hell when I did the first one of these? This is what I'm talking about. This is what the hell, man. All right, you talk what the hell in the 1990s? Pretty much anything by Vince Russo, no matter which company he was in, 
if nobody was really watching him, he would come up with some seriously weird stuff, which really would just make me wonder what drugs he was on, why he wasn't upping the dosage, and why he wasn't sharing. Because, dude, that boy was nuts. And I think he had a weird obsession with clowns back in the day. Yeah, quite frankly, I'd say you've been marked, but at this point, you've been clowned. <laughs> no, that's solid. That was that was an interesting one, but it does bring up. That was a weird one. Who are you kidding? Yeah, it was. It brings up some of the things that went on in the '90s there, as far as some of those crazy gimmicks that they attempted to get over that just you know were never crazy. Gonna... In some cases, I think they were either on drugs or they literally decided to asphyxiate themselves in a closet, come back out and say, "What did you get from your attempted autoerotic asphyxiation?" And but apparently, it's also, if half you think the stuff about it. It is the moment in time when they started to lose and started to lose traction, and WCW was able to start coming up is because of a lot of that stupid stuff they were doing. The well, the sad favorite. part was a lot of the stupid stuff seemed to have started out. It's like WCW was doing the stupid stuff. WWF had just lost Hogan. Brett was still finding his traction. The Undertaker was seriously, you know, at that time the top guy after Hogan left because really there was nobody else as popular as Hogan, you know, at the time. Other than Taker and Macho had you know started being like a commentator, so yep. it was like yep. they were like we got to come up with something. All we've got is Taker. They just kept you know, I mean, that and, and, and nothing against Taker because my God, he pretty much carried that company on his back right up until Austin showed up. Because Lord only knows, <laughs> Brett really wasn't. I mean, he was a he was a draw, but he wasn't as big a draw as Taker was. Brett and Sean and Diesel. And Razor, they were all pretty big in that moment. And they even, were pretty big, but even... at the time they hadn't really exploded on. I mean, Sean was like two, three years away from really getting big, and Taker was really the only guy they had left after Hogan. I don't know. Sean, Sean was pretty big at that time. I mean, that, that, as a heel, yeah, as a kid, as a kid, that's who I was cheering for. He was my favorite. He was, and that wasn't, you know, I was, I didn't care that he just kicked his best friend through the glass window. I thought that was like the best thing in the world, and. You know, he was the reason that I tuned in every week is to see what Shawn Michaels would do, you know, and when he was, you know, the whole inter, you know, intercontinental feud that eventually led to it. I think, you know, I think Undertaker definitely is owed a lot of credit for sticking with it and helping carry that through. But, you know, when I think of who really helped, you know, Undertaker was there, but I look at, like, Brett, who helped get the heart oh, no, down and all those members over, and Shawn had Diesel, and Shawn had Razor, and he even helped, you know, Triple H. I mean, you think about how many people Sean touched in promoting up there. You know, if it wasn't for Sean Michaels, I don't think that you would have had the Attitude Era come on as so smoothly and as well as it did. You know, which helped, which is, you know, the con- I think Undertaker and Sean both equally are deserving of a lot of that. And Brett, oh, yeah, but let's, it, but let's be for- honest here. When Hogan left, the top draw was still, at that point, was The Undertaker. And he carried the company on his back for at least a couple of years before Sean and Brett could really find their traction and become as big as they did. Taker, from like 92 to say probably 94, maybe 95, you know, that's really when, you know, Brett really found his, his, his wheels under him and that's where Sean really got a chance to explode out there. But if it weren't for Taker keeping them afloat after Hogan left. I mean, he had you know, Luger. Luger was getting over pretty big. Luger? No, 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 no. Yeah. Dude, dude, Luger basically... Luger was mid-card at best in the WWF. They gave him the shot at the world title, but supposedly Vince pulled the plug on him supposedly winning at WrestleMania 10. Supposedly because he got drunk and bragged he was going to become the world champion. He didn't break kayfabe. He just said, I'm going to win the title. 
Well, when, you, when when I look at the rosters, I mean, I'm looking at the 93 roster. Hogan was still listed on it. I don't remember exactly when Hogan left in 93. Hogan left actually After in, King of the Ring, it, right? Hogan left after King of the Ring, but prior to that, he, well, well, let's be honest here. First off, Hogan left in 92. Yep. Came back very briefly in 93. He was there for a month and a half. He was there to do WrestleMania 9. In fact, he, he basically, the only showed reason up, he even... Leg huh? dropped. Got, he showed up, leg dropped, got the title, and left. Basically what ended up happening was he was going to come in, do a match where he, he him and uh, Bruce were going to basically do the oh, job yeah, the to Money match. Inc. And then basically he said, well, we don't want to send the fans home without you know, a face walking out with the belt because at the time that was the the tradition and they were thinking of putting the belt on Brett, uh, not Brett, on Yokozuna, you know, going out of WrestleMania. And at the time, that was not the tradition. It was send the fans home happy, send the fans home with a face. And they, and basically, you know, Vince and Hogan, you know, he, they, he got Hogan to come back for WrestleMania 9. He said, well, Vince, I mean, if you're going to send the, home, the fans home with a, like a heel as champion at, a, at an event like WrestleMania, that's pretty much a stupid move. Here's what you do. Why don't you Give let me, me win the... Give me the belt for WrestleMania. Right. I'll drop the belt to Yokozuna at the big King of the Ring event that you're going to do since you're building Brett and, and Yoko up for another match at SummerSlam anyway, and I don't know what the hell happened there. But basically he said, let me get the belt one last time. I'll have the one defense, drop the belt to Yokozuna, you know, put him over, which he did, and then, you know, take off. Because he, he was not expecting to be there for, for longer than maybe, you know, a couple of matches. He really was only there for like two, three matches altogether. You know, yeah, he had I mean, like two. I'm looking at the roster here that they had back at that time period, and you had Luger, Hart, Undertaker, Ramon, Savage, One, Two, Three, Kid. No, British absolutely. Bulldog. But again, these guys were still finding their traction in the WWF. Luger never really did find his traction. He got somewhere yeah. when they put him when they gave him the Made in the USA gimmick. Right, but, but it wasn't that, enough. That was like they tried two to years after Hogan. the fact. No, that was that year. That was '94. No, 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 no. Hogan, all right, again, remember, Hogan's last full year was 92, okay? He comes in for one month. Luger has, at that point, joined the WWF, but prior to that, he was part of the World Bodybuilding Federation. Right, I know that. Razor had, had come in earlier, yes, but Razor hadn't really hit his stride at that point. One, two, three, Kid hadn't really hit his stride at that point. And Diesel came in mid-93 after Hogan had left. Right, but you just said Luger wasn't there in the '93. No, I said I said Luger oh. had not made it. He, but he Luger never really face. made it in the WWF. Because he made, he became the mega face, the superstar, the the Luger bus, all that stuff. On that July was SummerSlam '93. That was yeah. That was '93. Yeah, that was after Hogan. That was, was after right, Hogan. That's my though. point. It's right after Hogan left, and they put him as the new Hogan essentially. They thought he was going to be because he had the build, he had the look, and he did have charisma. But the problem was, supposedly, going into WrestleMania 10, he got drunk at a bar. He didn't break kayfabe. He just said, I'll show you. I'm going to become the next World Heavyweight Champion. And Vince, I, I guess, thought that he had broken kayfabe, panicked, and, and put it on Brett. So whether or not Luger actually broke kayfabe while he, got, while he was in this bar or not, you know, I don't know. I mean, there, there's still so much about that we, never, we may never get answers to. Right. You know, but either way, it ended up being Brett was was given the belt, and Luger at that point was dead in the water. Yeah. So he I mean, never really got his traction under him. Brett didn't really find his traction until 
WrestleMania 10. You know, and then, you know, Razor and Sean kind of broke out that same year in 94. Yeah, Diesel just, definitely broke out that year because that was the year he won all three belts. But you're saying, but you, you stated, and, and maybe you just stated it incorrectly, because what you just said is you said that Sean and Razor, and, I mean, at that point, uh, you know, they'd all... They'd no, all no, what I said out. was Taker was the guy who carried the company from 92 to 94, and no, no, no. all three of these guys exploded you, you stated, and became but, as, big as, they, as big as they did. They were already there, st- they were already helping to carry but the company, stated, but though, Taker was their top yes. guy. Right, well, you stated is that when Hogan left in 93, Taker was the guy until pretty much when Austin came on, is what you said. But it wasn't. Right, if that's what I said, he, then, then, then maybe I, right. I, I, that's, that's maybe what I'm, I just getting what I meant was, really, he may have Taker been from 92 draw. to 94 was your top guy. Right, but he might have been the, your top guy. He was the one who from, carried the company on his back until these guys, because these guys really, again, like 94, 95, Brett, and, Brett Sean, Razor, and Diesel all really had their major breakout moments in 94. Yes, Brett had already been world champion, but he hadn't really found his traction yet until 94, and he didn't really get going until 95. Same thing with Sean, same thing even with Diesel and Razor. You know, so basically for like two, three years, Taker was the top guy, and then I mean, these guys exploded onto the scene. They really started making a name for themselves. Brett, of course, had been there since like 87, you know, so... That, that should give you an example of just how long it took him to find his traction as a singles guy. You know, that yeah, he never no, really just, exploded until 94. At, but I just look at the time period. I think it was a rough time for faces. There wasn't oh, really absolutely. a face of the WWE during that time period. And when you put Undertaker on there, Undertaker was a popular guy back then, but it was only that little bit of a feud. And you got to think, he was gone for a while there. He was there to Taker Rumble, was gone for about and then six months they disappeared him for in that 1994. Right. That's it. Royal Rumble. Through SummerSlam. From the Royal Rumble to SummerSlam. But right. prior to that, he was still basically the top draw after Hogan had left in terms of being full-time. Because Hogan left after WrestleMania eight as a full-time guy. He didn't come back till almost a year later, and he was only there for a month and a half. So he was literally only there for a cup of coffee. Yeah. Taker, from 92 to 94, maybe 95, was pretty much the top face. Anytime Taker was booked for an event... Arena sold out because he was the most popular guy after Hogan. Well, you know, 94 comes around, Brett finally breaks out, becomes the, 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 the main the face, face of the, the company. company. Shawn Michaels starts to become, like, the, you know, we start to see Shawn Michaels make the beginnings of that face turn, which basically allows him to really explode and become Mr. WrestleMania. Diesel, of course, he had that one really good year, wins the right. belt in a calendar year, and holds on to the title for just shy of a year. And, of course, Razor had been there since, like, 92, and he kind of had his breakout year in, like, 95 anyway. So, again... Uh, yes, it, was 90, it was 94. It was the same. I mean, if well, you no, no, made his breakout... Was, was, was their great match, but the breakout year for out. Razor was really 95, because that was the year that Sean was out. Yeah, but his breakout was 94 when he won the ladder match, and then he feuded with Sean. That was his breakout Bill. match. But that's, I think that's his breakout, breakout year. year was 95. I think you got to give it to him in 94 when he was progressing to that upper echelon there because he was the guy, and he was becoming the guy. But we digressed. We went yeah, on. I, on I, suppose, I suppose there's some room for, for argument there. I mean, so, And again, folks, for those of you who are wondering, you know, why does we argue about this kind of shit, and yet we still do this stuff, dudes... Dude, that's I'm going to tell you right now, and no, I'm not from California, so it, it's just something I get picked up from watching the Ninja Turtles over the years. Blame Marv Wolfman. But, uh, no, me, me and Ace don't always agree on everything, and, 
You know, for example, I mean, he's a Cena hater, I'm a Brock hater. Neither one of us will deny it, but we're not promoting it. But either way, you know, just because we argue don't mean we ain't still friends. So don't worry, the false finishers ain't going anywhere. No, definitely. So uh, you guys know how to get a hold of us at the False Finish on Twitter, the False Finish Podcast at gmail.com, the False Finish Podcast dot com, and uh, any other way you can find us out there. We're talking yep. to Facebook, YouTube, iTunes. At some point, we're going to try to get YouTube. We got to talk yep. to our IT guys because seriously, we do get the we got to get the stuff on YouTube, dude. Yeah. Um. Definitely, got to get those guys to get those wheels a rolling, those wheels a moving. Absolutely. But, uh, you know what I what I would say is. Uh, when the Undertaker kicks out, he kicks out every time, sits up, and you know, every time he did it back in '93 when he was carrying through and he was doing what he did, he, uh, you know, you didn't know what was going to happen. Well, I guess you did. You, it was a false finish because the Undertaker wasn't going to—he wasn't laying down unless you put him down. And every single time he, you know, popped his head up, flipped the hair, stood up, and uh, you know, Paul, you know, Paul Bear would lift that that uh, that uh, arm up in the air. And uh, when he did that, you knew The Undertaker was coming back. So you knew you weren't walking away from your seat during that. It wasn't a girls' match. It wasn't, I'm sorry, not a girls' match. It wasn't a divas' match. <laughs> you know divas' matches don't have false finishes. It's one done and it's all over because we don't care to watch it. Just give us some real world-class wrestling. That's what we like to see. And this has been another false finish. Divas, women, Undertakers... Who really knows anymore at this point? Because, quite frankly, how false can a finish get when you don't even know if there's a way to finish that which is false? And I'll tell you right now, you want to, know what, you want to talk about a false finish? As far as I'm concerned, the falsest finish ever was April 6, 2014. As far as I'm concerned, the streak is still alive to me, damn it! Good night out there. Whatever you are! <laughs> With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.